I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles, please, to 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles chapter 6. I'm going to begin reading here in just a moment in verse 13 and read down through verse 31. So it's a long passage of Scripture, and I want you to follow carefully with me. It's important that you understand the context of this. It's a prayer, and it's a, a prayer by King Solomon. And the occasion of this prayer is when uh, he has built the temple, the place of worship, the place of sacrifice where God's people would come. And the prayer expresses what Solomon would like to see take place in this temple. History records that it was one of the most magnificent, beautiful, exquisite uh, works of architecture and, and all that, that's ever been built. Just, just an amazing place. But I want, I want you to feel with me as I read through this passage what Solomon would like to see take place in this temple. He doesn't want people to just walk in like in, in a museum or in an art gallery and just be impressed by the gold and, and the woodworks and all the sculptures and, and all of that that's in the temple. I want you to feel with me where Solomon's heart is. And I want you to listen to his prayer. And I want you to, 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 to focus on the business that he has in mind for God's people to engage in when they come to the temple. I share this with you because as you and I come to church, everybody has different perspectives. I know that there are those that come to church and they, they, they kind of focus on the music. And, and they kind of figure out, well, do I like the music? Do I not like the music? Uh, and, and I usually hear about it when you don't like the music. And, 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 and Jake usually hears about it when you don't like the music. And there are those that like traditional and some like contemporary and some like some types of contemporary and other types of contemporary. Anyway, and, and so everybody, well, some say, well, I want the preaching, you know, and I want the music or I want this or I want that. Well, there, if, if I had to share with you this morning, and that's my opportunity to do that, I'm sharing with you what I want to see take place. It doesn't make any difference what the music is if it's focused on Jesus. It doesn't make any difference uh, who the preacher is as long as it's focused in God's Word on Christ. And, and, and so what is it that is my burden, my desire, for us at North Roanoke what, what would take place here? What would take place here? And, and Solomon nails it. Solomon gets it right out there. And, and he, I, I trust that he goes right to our hearts as, as he reveals to us what not only is on the heart of, of, of God, uh, of Solomon, but it's obvious <laughs> that, that God is pleased with this prayer. 
Because chapter 7 starts out by saying that God responded to the prayer that Solomon prayed and fire came down from heaven and consumed the sacrifice that was on the altar and the glory of God filled the temple. Now, I would say, boy, Solomon was right on, on target and, and he was right close to what God wanted to see in the temple. So here's a question this morning. I don't know what agenda you have in your mind. Your agenda might be to get out of here at 12 o'clock. <laughs> You're probably not going to make that, okay? I, I don't want to keep you much later than that, but you're probably not going to make that. If your agenda is to be the first one in line at the restaurant, you're, that agenda, I'm probably going to blow that for you this morning. But I don't know what your agenda is when you come. If it was to evaluate the music or the preacher or whatever the case might be. But I, I, I want us to kind of measure ourselves in relationship to 2 Chronicles chapter 6. Okay, let's get started. When I, when I read this, here's what I want you to look for. Uh, it's a fresh start. This is not just a series of sermons, a nice little series. Well, Pastor, Pastor Daniel and Pastor Daryl, they're going to preach this little series of sermons. It's going to last about six weeks and on with something else, okay? But this is truly, this is truly for those of us not only as individuals who are interested in a fresh start, but those of us as a corporate body, those of us as a church, those of us who see that life is bigger than me or life is bigger than you as an individual, but that God's plan and God's purpose involves not just you and what your agenda is in life, but God's purpose and God's plan includes us all and involves us all as a church. That through us, through us, not just through me, so that I can go out there and live my life the way I want to live it, irregardless of what other people think, but that through us, through us together, the glory of God might be manifested through this community so that lives, lives can be different, lives that, that are defeated and, and, and lives that are going down the wrong road, a road of destruction, and, and lives that are empty and lives that are meaningless. Where do they go? Where do they go? Where is their hope? Are they going to get it at, at, at a football stadium? Are they going to get it at, at going to watch the Redskins this afternoon? <laughs> Probably not, okay. <laughs> Are they going to get it at, 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 at uh, Lane Stadium up in Blacksburg? Oh, it'll, it'll be a fun time, but is it really going to change your life? Is, is it going to make any lasting difference? Whatever restaurant you go to, you're... It, it, are those things going to make any lasting, eternal difference? Is it going to really be a fresh start for any of us? And so, with all that said, let's, let's jump in here. And I want you to think, I want you to think about what is it that God lets us see that are warning signs, alerts to us to let us say, Daryl, you need a fresh start. Or you need a fresh start. What is it that we find ourselves in the midst of that or is God's way of letting us know you need a fresh start. And then I want you to notice in here where, where it's in the, in the heart of Solomon, in the heart of God, where do you go to find that? What place do you go to, to to engage in a new start, to really get hope for a new start? And uh, so those are some questions that you ask yourself as I read through. Chapter 
6, 2 Chronicles, verse 13. Now Solomon made a bronze platform, five cubits long, five cubits wide, three cubits high, and he set it in the midst of the court, and he stood on it, and then here's the king, much like what we might think of as the president of the United States, in front of everybody, everybody gathered around, and he gets on his knees. What a great, what a great posture of humility. He gets on his knees. He knelt on his knees in the presence of the assembly of Israel, and he spread out his hands towards heaven, and he said, O Lord, the God of Israel, there's no God like thee in heaven or on earth, keeping covenant and showing loving kindness to thy servants who walk before thee with all their heart, who is kept with thy servant David, that's his father, that which thou promised him. God is not only a promise maker, but God is a promise keeper. He's not only the one who makes promises in a covenant, but he keeps those promises. And he says, Indeed thou hast spoken with thy mouth and hast fulfilled in thy hand as it is this day. Now therefore, O Lord, the God of Israel, keep with thy servant David my father that which thou hast promised him, saying, You shall not lack a man to sit on the throne of Israel. And uh, if only your sons take heed to their way to walk in my law as you have walked before me. Now therefore, O Lord, the God of Israel, let thy word be confirmed which thou hast spoken to thy servant David. Watch this, verse 18. But will God indeed dwell with mankind on this earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain thee. How much less this house that I have built. Yet have regard to the prayer of thy servant and to this supplication, O Lord my God, to listen to the cry and to the prayer which thy servant prays before thee, that thine eyes may be open toward this place, this house, both day and night, toward the place which thou hast said, thou hast put thy name there, to listen to the prayer which thou, thy servant has shall pray toward this place, and listen to the supplication of thy servant and thy people Israel. When they pray toward this place, hear thou from thy dwelling place from heaven, hear thou and forgive. And so what are some situations? If a man sins against his neighbor and is made to take an oath, and he comes and he takes an oath before thine altar of this house, then hear thou from heaven and act and judge thy servants, punishing the wicked by bringing his way on his own head and justifying the righteous by giving him according to his righteousness. And if thy people are defeated by the enemy because they have sinned against thee, and they return to thee and confess thy name and pray and make supplication before thee in this house... Then hear thou from heaven, forgive the sin of thy people, and bring them back to the land which thou hast given to them and their fathers. And when the heavens are shut up, and there is no rain because they have sinned against thee, and they pray toward this place, and confess thy name, and turn from their sin which thou hast afflicted them, then hear thou from heaven, forgive the sin of thy servants and thy people, Israel indeed. Teach them the good way in which they should walk, and send rain on thy land which thou hast given to thy people for an inheritance. And if there is famine in the land, and if there is a pestilence, if there is blight or mildew, or if there is locust or grasshopper, if their enemies besiege them in the land of their cities, whatever plague or whatever sickness there is, whatever prayer or supplication is made by any man or by all the people of Israel, each knowing his own affliction, his own pain, spreading his hands toward this house, then hear thou from heaven thy dwelling place and forgive and render to each according to his ways whose heart thou knowest for thou alone dost know the hearts of the sons of men that they may fear thee to walk in thy ways 
as long as they live in the land which thou hast given to our fathers. Conditions, conditions that should alert us. We're going to look, we're going to look at, first of all, the need, the need for a fresh start. And very quickly, verses uh, 22 and following, just look at it briefly. What, 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 what is it that are the conditions that should alert us to the need of a fresh start? Years ago, when I first started driving my 66 Chevelle, I had on my dashboard what we referred to as idiot lights. And the uh, red light would start flashing when you needed to put oil in the engine. And uh, the red light would start flashing when the car was overheated. And, and so these flashing lights, you I could have got irritated at the flashing light and taken my hammer and smashed the light, but that would not have gotten down to the root of the problem. That would not have put oil in the engine. And so what God's doing for us here when he tells us that there are certain conditions that should alert us to an underlying problem that indicates to us there's a need for a fresh start. And the first one that he mentions is one that every single one of us here has had to deal with in life, and if not the fact that we are dealing with it right now. And that is strained relationships. Strained relationships. And he said, when you have a strained relationship, what do you do? You come to the temple, you come to this place that was constructed for us to come and meet God, and in order for you and I to meet God, the relationship that we have with other people deeply affects the relationship that we have with God. And if I have a severed relationship with you, that severed relationship that I have with you severs my relationship with God. If you are unwilling to un not forgive me or I'm not willing to forgive you, and there's a strained relationship there, that, Jesus tells us, cuts our relationship off with God. So this business of strained relationship is serious business. And God sees this place right here, this place that we've come to on a regular basis where God's people gather together to worship him. He sees that we are here to do business with him, specifically in the area of strained relationships. And how, how it grieves me, how it grieves me, how we can come and get into a routine, such a routine of coming in, singing songs, listening to a sermon, and going out the door to a home, of a strained relationship, where there's a strained relationship between a husband and a wife, a strained relationship between a, 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 a child and a parent, and a parent and a child, and not address the issue, and not come and get on our knees and come before God and do business with Him, and, and, and allow God to get into the middle of that relationship. And that's what Solomon is seeing. He's saying there's going to be times when people with their neighbors are going to have strained relationships, and what do you do? You just check it out at the door, or do you bring it to the altar and deal the business with the Lord? Second thing he says, he says not only strained relationships, but he says defeat by the enemy. If there's a time in your life when you realize that the people of God are defeated by the enemy because they have sinned, he tells us in verse 24, then it's time for them to come and confess that sin and allow God to give them the victory over that area of their life that's defeating them. And the fact of the matter is, the truth of the matter is, all of us have different enemies that we're battling. And, and, and 
to a great extent, our greatest enemy is who? <laughs> ourself. Ourself. You looked at you looked at your probably your greatest enemy when you looked in the mirror this morning. Because we, we have all these attitudes, we have all these these things that are going on in our life, and we're oftentimes our own worst enemy. And so oftentimes what no matter what the, the enemy that, that's got you defeated, whether it be a, 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 an awful self-image or whether it be a, 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 an issue of, of loneliness or an issue of depression or an issue of, 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 of anger or whatever these issues are that we deal with, what do we do? Do we just come in and talk about the Hokies and, and, and maybe the Cavaliers or maybe the Redskins and then talk about things and then go home? Or do we really get down to serious business? Or do we sing a few songs and go home? But he said, this is, what, this, is what God's, this is what the temple is supposed to be all about. Defeated by the enemy. Thirdly, what happens when, when God's people are dealing with drought and famine and pestilence and plague? What happens when God's people deal with a, with a famine? What happens when God's people deal with a drought? Well, when I look at the American church today, and our church is no different, in many ways, it's no different. There's, there's a huge spiritual drought that's taking place in the American church today. And here's what I mean. You can read reports about what God is doing in other areas of the world. How, how droves of people are coming to Christ all over the world. In, 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 in countries, in countries where there's not the freedom that we have. And it's just amazing how these people are coming to Christ. And we look at America. We look at the churches in America today. And, and to a great extent, what's going on in the Roanoke Valley is, is, is true across America. Yes, there's certain churches that are growing and there's certain churches that are dying. But you know what it is? The church grows for the most part in America today. Is just these Christians over here, these sheep, decide to start grazing in another, in another field. They, they go from this church to this church. And, and after a while, this church is sort of on the cutting edge and everybody goes to that. And then after a while, they all go to another church. And, and, and that's kind of the church growth that we're experiencing. But in terms of, 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 of people coming to Christ and people being the saved, there's a drought. There's a drought that's going on. And, and for instance, tonight, there's, there's, there's three of us, three churches, the Haitian church, the, the uh Hispanic church and our church were coming together for a baptism. And uh, we've got three or four from the Haitian church. We've got a couple from our church. And we had a few from the Hispanic church, but they're not going to be able to make it. And so we had three churches, three churches, and maybe five or six people. Is, is that the evidence of God at work? Or are we in a time of a drought? of the blessings of the Holy Spirit working into people's lives, drawing. Those are things that you and I can't do. We can't program it. We can't build a building that's going to lead people to get saved. We, we, can't, we can't do those kinds of things. Those are the things that only the Holy Spirit does. Those are the things only God does. And, and, and you and I, we as a church... We need to recognize that when we're going through times of drought, when there's a famine and, and people have more to eat than they've ever had to eat from a physical sense and all of us in America are, 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 are eating more than what we should eat and yet at the same time, what's happening? People are literally starving 
in their soul. And they're trying to fill themselves up with, with this, and they're trying to fill themselves up with that. And, and so we see that we're in the midst of, 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 a, of a culture, we're midst in a, in a time when, when, when people, we're, we're going through a drought, and there's a famine, and, and, and all of these things, the pestilence and the plagues and the sickness that's all around us. And that we, we see that instead of the locusts that are destroying the crops, we see that, that drugs and substance abuse Okay, uh, just destroying the generations that are coming along behind us. And, and, and so, what do we do about that? Do we come in and listen to a song? And say, well, I like that song, or I didn't like that song, or come in and listen to a sermon, and say, well, I like that sermon, or I didn't like that sermon, and go home? Or do God's people need to come and do business with Him? And so, conditions that make for a fresh start. We need a fresh start when there's a strained relationship. We find ourselves defeated by the enemy. We find ourselves in the midst of a drought, pestilence, or plague. But also, where's the place for a fresh start? Where do you go to for a fresh start? Solomon nailed it. Solomon understood where God's people needed to come. He built this temple, but he didn't build it for God. As a matter of fact, he starts off, he says, God, there's no way I could build anything. As magnificent as it might be, you don't need a place to dwell on earth. <laughs> matter of fact, I can't build anything that will contain you. But he said, this place that I'm going to build is for the people to come and meet you here. This place that I build is, is for you, is for God's people. The temple is not for God to have a place to dwell with man but the temple is a place for man to do business with God. What kind of business? Well, Jesus walked into the temple at the conclusion of his ministry, and we refer to that as a triumphal entry. He goes into Jerusalem. He goes into the temple. And uh, of all the places that Jesus displays discontent, and he goes on a, on a rage, he starts overturning tables. Why? Because there's a lot of business going on in the temple. But it's the wrong business. They're trading and they're selling and they're, they're making money and they're selling sacri uh, sacrificial animals. And, 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 and Jesus says, you got the wrong business going on here. God made this house to be a house of prayer. And you've turned it into a den of robbers. And, and, and Jesus expressed his displeasure because this was not a place where people were coming to meet God. And, and it says that what Jesus did right after that was that Jesus healed the lame and Jesus healed the blind. And that's what, we, that's what we need to find here. We need to have people that come here that can't stand on their own two feet, that are having a hard time getting through life. And they come here and they find, they can find the strength of the Lord. And people that, that they can't, they don't have their eyes that are open. All of this stuff about the Bible and all this stuff about Christianity doesn't make sense to them because there's a veil over their eyes and they can't see. And, but where, how are they going to find that? How are they going to experience it if they don't do it in the community of God's faith, uh, of God's family? And so there's the place for a fresh start. The temple today, the temple today is us. It's us. This is not the temple. You are the temple. You are the temple. Paul tells us that in, in Ephesians chapter 2. Look at this. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints. You are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone 
in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord. And so what he's saying is, you're the temple. You're coming together. We're building our lives on Jesus Christ. We've heard about Jesus through the apostles, the message that they gave to us, and the prophets, and we're repeating that, and we're sharing that. We're putting our faith in that. We're coming to Christ, and God's making out of us a temple, a temple for us to meet and encounter God, and that's what we're here for. And so, the need for a fresh start, do you have a need for a fresh start today? This is the place to do it. This is the place that God has sanctified. This is the place that God has ordained for you and I to do it. Don't come in here and hide it all and pretend that nothing's wrong. Don't come in here and, 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 and just go on in, in, in strained relationships. Don't come in here and go on in defeat. But go on, come in here and, and do business with God the way God wants us to. Well, what are the responses for a fresh start? We turn over to chapter 7 and we see in chapter 7 the responses of a fresh heart. In verse 11, here's what it said. Solomon finished the house of the Lord in the king's palace and successfully completed all that he had planned on doing in the house of the Lord and in his palace. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon at night and he said to him, Solomon, I've heard that prayer, that one that I just read and shared with you in in chapter 6. I've heard your prayer. I've chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. If I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, I give you these warning signs, these warning lights, or if I send pestilence among your people. But if at that time you, my people, make the connection, see what's going on around us, see our desperate need, and my people who are called by my name, if they'll humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. What's the response for a fresh start? What's the response for us as a church? Corporately, if you're seeing, seeing, seeing life as bigger than yourself, seeing life as, as, as this church, or even for those of you as individuals, you want a fresh start. What's the response for a fresh start? Here it is. First of all, humble people pray. Humble people who pray. That's the response that God's looking for. He's looking for a humble person who will pray. God's not so impressed with, with, with the words that come out of your mouth. He's, he, he's impressed by the sincerity of your heart. And if you're at the point of defeat, if you're at the point of a, of a relationship that that is just out of control, if you're at the point of of, of despair in life and you come and humble yourself before God, if we as a church look around us and say, God, we can't do this by ourselves. We need you. Prayer is our way of communicating to God our dependence upon him. And so our response if humble people pray. Secondly, if hungry people will seek God's face. Just seek God's face. A lot of times, I think what we're doing is we're seeking God's hand to see what God will give us. But he says, seek my face. Look at me. Seek me. Look in my eyes and and see what you see. What kind of God do you see? Seek my face. And then broken people who repent. Jesus said, the time is fulfilled 
The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is the reign and the rule and the righteousness of God. And Jesus said, listen, I come down here to let you see that right here, right now, you can experience nothing less than the reign and the rule and the righteousness of God in your life. You can experience God's kingdom right here, right now. You don't have to wait until after you die. You must begin to experience right now if you ever intend to experience it after you die. And so how do you do that? And he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven's at hand. Listen carefully. The degree and the depth that you and I experience the reign and the rule and the righteousness of God, the kingdom of God in our life, is going to be directly related to the degree and the depth of our repentance. If I can associate, if I can associate strained relationships with sin that needs to be repented of, if I can associate the defeat in my life, the area of my life where I'm defeated, if I can associate that with the sin that's in my life and I repent of that, it's at that point that you and I will begin to experience the reign and the rule and the righteousness of God in our life. If we as a church begin to identify those areas of our life that we need to repent of, do we need to repent of being a prayerless church? Do we need to repent of, of, of filling our lives with all kinds of programs and all kinds of busy activities, but never getting on our knees before God and, 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 and praying specifically and doing business with him about the things that we need to be about? And so he says, he says broken people who repent. That's the response that God's looking for. And then he tells us that there is the promise of a fresh start. The promise of a fresh start. Very simply, here's what God says. You do that? And he says, I will hear you from heaven. I'll hear you. Today, you ready for a fresh start? You get honest with God? You do business with him? You surrender that area of your life to him. You come before him broken. He will hear that prayer. That's the kind of prayer that he hears. He doesn't hear these impressive things that are said to get good scores with other people as they listen to, listen to you pray. But he hears the prayer of the honest heart. That area of your life that you want to give to him. He hears those prayers. God will hear. But not only will God hear but God will forgive. And what we'll find out, when God forgives, there's healing in forgiveness. It says that he'll hear your prayer, he'll forgive your sin, and he will heal your land. Well, let me wrap it up by just sharing with you a couple of verses. Conclusion. Here's what God says. My eyes will be open and my ears will be attentive to the prayer that's offered in this place. I can stand before you today with all the authority of God himself and I can say to you that the prayer that you pray in sincerity and humility and brokenness before God, the prayer that you pray here today, God will hear your prayer that's offered in this place. Because he says, I have chosen and consecrated this house, 
These people, that's what the house is. It's the people that my name may be there forever and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. God forbid that this place, this gathering, us, God's people, would be the place where we come with our personal agendas. God forbid that we come and we start evaluating our worship based on whether or not this song or that song or this pastor or that pastor. I'll never forget, this has been many years ago, probably 20, 25 years ago. I drove into sanctuary and uh, it was in the Christmas time. And uh, one of our faithful members had, 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 had her parents with, us here, with her here. And uh, these parents were church people and, and uh, lived down in another state. And, and they were visiting over Christmas time. And, and uh, we just had a wonderful worship service, I thought. <laughs> I thought. <laughs> okay. I understand. I understand that sometimes we preachers lay an egg. Okay, I, I understand that. I can tell that when you're going to sleep, okay? I can see it when the, when the heads are nodding and you're not engaged, you know? I can tell that. But, you know, I just felt like, I mean, I thought that was a good sermon, you know? And I thought people were with me. And I thought, wow, this was a great service. And people were getting their hearts right with the Lord and, and, and gave an invitation and nobody came. Nobody came. Nobody, nobody responded at all except one. They didn't come during the invitation. They came right after I said the benediction and dismissed folks. And this lady, this dear lady, walked down and, and just confronted me, confronted me and said, Pastor, Pastor, I can't believe it. She, she, we had the Lord's Supper table at, at this location here. And on the Lord's Supper table, we had this arrangement of flowers. And she said, she, she criticized the arrangement of flowers on the Lord's Supper table. And I thought, my goodness, where have you been? Is that what church is all about? Is that what church is all about? Is it about the flowers? Is it whether Pastor Daryl's preaching or Pastor Daniel's preaching? Is it about the song that we sing, whether it's played by an organ or an electric guitar? Can we, go, can we get lost in all of that stuff and just avoid doing business with God? My invitation to you today is that we do business with God. Those of you in strained relationships, those of you in defeat, don't be so proud. Don't be so proud to just keep it to myself. Keep it to yourself is a formula for perpetual defeat. You don't let anybody else know. You don't, you don't, you don't let that person know. They don't see any kind of outward signs that there's a sense of brokenness in you, that there's a sense of humility in you, that there's a sense of, I've reached a point where I need a fresh start. Well, I'm just going to do that by myself. And Okay, you just go that way. But... To what extent will we be a community of faith saying together, we want a fresh start. We want 
North Roanoke Baptist Church to be the place where God hears those prayers and God sends fire from heaven. God sends nothing less than His Holy Spirit to fill this body so that we, we might be a glory to Him and people all around the Roanoke Valley will, will find a place where they can come and do business with God. I'm going to call us to a time of, of, of prayer. I'm going to call us to a time in which you go to God about those specific areas of your life to do business with Him. I want to say to you that although this is a hardwood floor and this is just a, a hard stage, but this is a good altar. And you can come and, and you can kneel and, and you can do business with God and you can bring a friend and, 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 and you can come and you can pray. It may be for yourself. It may be for somebody else. It may be for North Roanoke Baptist Church. But let's have a time of prayer together and do business with Him. Heavenly Father, we want to we dedicate this time right now, this time of response to You, to a time in which we honor Your Word a time in which we, we, we do business with you. And Father, Father, may this be a fresh start for people that are all scattered throughout this congregation, but also, Father, as a church collectively, may it be that time of a fresh start. And we devote this time to you right now in time of prayer. Amen. I'm going to be standing here at the front. Daniel will be standing here at the front. There'll be others that may want to come. You may want to pray with us specifically. You may want to come and just kneel and, and, and do business by yourself. But let's devote this time to God right now.